VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Admiral James Stavridis is the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. That title did not cause me to write to him the way that I did this weekend and say, now you've arrived. No, what caused me to write to Admiral Stavridis this weekend and extend those greetings is the fact that he got name-checked on the hit TV show Billions. He never moves. You've been reading your Stavridis? Watching Shalakis really lectures? You know, there's a... There's a this is Admiral Stavridis. Were you watching in real time, or was I one of a thousand people who said, do you know, you just got mentioned on Billions? The latter. I, I can't tell you the number of people who checked in and uh, sent me the link. It's a very cool little moment. You you now know the viewing habits of your friends. I'm sure you will be a fan of the show going forward. Were you in the past? Uh, I watched three seasons, really enjoyed oh, okay. it, got busy, okay. but now I'll get back to it. Yeah, you're like me. Uh, by the way, Admiral Stavridis, at Stavridis J or AdmiralStav.com. I have questions today, even more than usual, that are beneath your pay grade. So let's get to it. Last week, I asked you, Admiral, what's the goal, the Israeli goal vis-a-vis Hamas? You said to dismantle Hamas. I've been using that word ever since. Now, now the rookie question. What's the purpose in shutting off the resources? And why tell people who are in the north of Gaza that they've got to get out and go to the south. Yeah, this is a a classic correct technique for a military to use is to try and get the civilians out of the target zone. We know that Hamas is deeply dug in, quite literally 300 miles of tunnels underground, but also their command and control, their fuel, their major ammunition depots, all that is in Gaza City. All those are legitimate military targets. You want to get the civilians out of there. 600,000 have already left. Many more are moving south. It's important to clear them, and I think that's part of why the Israelis have hit pause on the ground offensive. But is the idea to meet us at the OK Corral? I mean, why wouldn't Hamas recognize they're about to be overrun by the IDF and get out along with the civilians? Uh, As we say in military terms, the enemy gets a vote, and I think it's unclear whether Hamas will stand and fight more like the Alamo than the OK Corral, or will they, as you just said, slip off within those masses departing and live to fight another day? I think it'll be a mix. 
Probably the lower level fighters will be told to stand and fight. And as so often the case with Hamas, whose leader, by the way, lives in extreme luxury in Qatar, as is so often the case with Hamas leadership, they will probably slip away themselves. Is there something that distinguishes the north from the south? Do most of the rockets that Hamas launches into Israel come from the north? Are the tunnels believed to be in the north, but not necessarily in the south? I guess I guess I'm looking to the next step and saying, okay, so when the IDF has taken control of the north and you've got two million people now packed into the south, then what? You know, they then get to come back to the north so that we can do the same thing in the south. I think the real question at that point, assuming the IDF launches a ground attack, and I think there's 80% chance they will, I think there's a 20% chance they may end up not going in on the ground. We can come back to that. But let's say for sake of argument, they do go in, they consolidate control over the North. Uh, Frankly, what they will be doing at that point is political and diplomatic, Michael, as opposed to military. They want to hand off control of Gaza City and really the entire Gaza Strip, if you will, I think ideally to the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, who has been an uneasy but at least rational partner for the Israelis, or uh, if the Palestinian Authority is incapable, unwilling, perhaps a pan-Arab group, Egypt, Jordan, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia puts a multi-Arab force in there. Um, But Believe me, Israel does not want to control Gaza. If today Admiral Stavridis believes that it's an 80 percent likelihood of a ground war, I have to believe that you were probably closer to 100 a week ago today. Am I right? That's correct. And what has changed? Um, First of all, the presence of what looks now like 200 hostages certainly has a pausing effect. Secondly, the humanitarian disaster unfolding in front of Israel, which has no desire to flip the narrative from one of the evil Hamas conducting these horrific attacks and have that narrative overtaken by one of Israel uh, attacking civilians. So the Israelis are going very, very deliberately as they move forward. I mean, you heard, I'm sure, President George W. Bush saying last week, before too long, people will be saying this has gone on too long. That's one of the big considerations, the court of public opinion. True? Absolutely. And this is why, from an Israeli perspective, if they go in on the ground, they're going to want to go in, take out as much Hamas infrastructure and leadership as they can, and then turn the Gaza back over to somebody other than Hamas. I think they have a reasonable chance of doing that, but it's a very difficult military problem to start, and then it becomes a political diplomatic problem to finish. Admiral, the president is going over there tonight. I can't imagine that there would be a ground invasion while he's in transit or on the ground in Israel, right? Because then you'd have the optics of the American president with with uh, Netanyahu and the humanitarian, I think I can say, crisis that's unfolding in Gaza at the same time. Those optics don't work. Correct. And uh, you will hear the Israeli Defense Forces say, no, we're not going to pause just because an American president is here. But believe me, they will pause for exactly so- the reasons you indicate. 
So I know and we all know what we see in terms of the president and and also the defense secretary and the secretary of state talking about how we're lockstep with Israel and we have Israel's back. Uh, What do you think is going on privately to try and get some assurance from the Israelis that the considerations of the court of public opinion and how this is perceived and the humanitarian issues, like what guardrails do you think, if any, are being put on them privately? I don't think uh, a deliberate guardrail, which would be, hey, if you don't do what we tell you to do, we'll withdraw our support. Never will that happen. However, I suspect that uh, the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, I think the president himself, uh, quietly, sotto voce, offstage, will be saying what you and I just discussed, that the narrative of the moment is the visceral horrible, barbaric evil of Hamas, don't flip that narrative and give them the chance to make Israel look like uh, a violator of human rights here. We're telling them that. And in order to uh, accomplish that, what we collectively need to do, U.S., Israel, and our other allies in the region, to include Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, we need to manage the humanitarian crisis get food and supplies and medicine in, take refugees out, build safe zones, create safe transit routes. I think all that is happening at a frantic pace to include our friends in Israel, all of it happening offstage while the military uh, remains center stage at the moment. Secretary Austin has said that as many as 2,000 troops might be deployed in a quote-unquote support role. You wrote, I linked to it, you wrote for Bloomberg under the headline, a U.S. armada is growing off Israel's shore. What's next? What is the purpose of, of our presence now being increased? Yeah, let's just do the numbers for a minute. This is two carrier strike groups, each one of them around 7,000 sailors and Marines an amphibious readiness group with another 2,000 Marines, and then the 2,000 you just mentioned, those are ground forces, Army presumably, that are being placed on a preparative deploy order. So you're now pushing north of 20,000 U.S. soldiers, sailors, airmen, by the way. We've also moved forward uh, F-15 squadrons to Qatar. So Uh, There is a a serious multi-service force in place. The purpose is to give the president options. Number one, if this really goes sideways, we're going to have to get Americans out. There are 200,000 American citizens in Israel. They might have to come out by sea, air, or land. Having those forces there gives options. Iran might unleash Hezbollah to the north. That would become a pretty significant and realistic target set for U.S. strikes, um, given that Israel will be so focused on the war to the south. And then third and finally, Michael, that force gives a lot of command and control. It gives a lot of intelligence capability. And all of it is signaling support for Israel and deterrence to Iran. It's a powerful force. It's a smart move moving it forward. You wrote the following. This all sounds like the culmination of a Tom Clancy novel. And all of this will be controversial in terms of potentially having actual U.S. boots on the ground and fighter jets and helicopters in the skies above the fight in Gaza. But the highest obligation of a president is to protect American lives 
And if events spiral into an even higher level of violence in Israel, the presence of U.S. Marines gives the administration more and better options to respond, send in the Marines. Exactly. And and let me just put it in blunt personal terms. If my family members were being held hostage or I were being held hostage in those awful tunnels and I was an American citizen, I would expect my military directed by my president would be part of coming to rescue me. That's the option that the president's choices in moving these forces forward have created. Admiral, final question, and thanks for being so gracious with your time. I know how in demand you are, especially on a day like today. What worries you most? A wider war, and the way that could unfold would be the following. If Iran decides to unleash Hezbollah, which has 130,000 surface-to-surface missiles, that poses an existential threat to Israeli society. That choice by Iran would almost certainly cause Israel, perhaps joined by the United States, to confront Iran directly and militarily in ways that would spill over beyond the region, potentially over Iran itself. I don't think Iran is foolish enough to make that choice, but hopefully those aircraft carriers and those Marines and those Air Force fighter squadrons will have a clarifying effect on the Ayatollahs and that rotten theocracy in Tehran. Thank you, Admiral. Appreciate it as always, especially today. Thanks, Michael. Talk next week. We'll see where it goes. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. That's Admiral James Stavridis. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusX. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. CC, you've got an update? Yeah, so interestingly, since you've been on air, Hamas has released a video, the first video of a hostage taken to Gaza, this coverage from CNN. The short video clip shows Mia Shem lying on a bed, her right arm being bandaged by someone out of the frame. A long, fresh scar is clearly visible. Mm. Shem, a 21-year-old French-Israeli woman, is being held hostage by the militant group Hamas in the Gaza Strip. The video released by Hamas on Monday is the first footage of any of the dozens of people held in the enclave. Speaking into the camera, Shem, who looks pale but is sitting up straight with her head held high, says she was injured and taken to Gaza and pleads to be returned to her family. We've heard remarkably little about the hostages. I I don't mean from the family perspective. There's a lot of good reporting out there about who are the hostages and how did they end up where they are. Uh, and the role that Hamas played, obviously, in, in the abductions. I just mean, like, relative to the uh, any negotiation, any demand, what is what is Hamas looking for? I have a story today at com talking about a demand of 6,000 prisoners held by Israel being released, but that's really the first. Your your reference a moment ago was the first that we've heard of, of any update in that regard. Hi, Bob, you're in Texas. Greetings. Sounds like you're up to something. What's going on? <laughs> playing ball with my dog. Um, nice. All right. Um, I'm a member and love the newsletter. Thank you, sir. TC. All right. You're two for two. Those yeah, there you go. Um, if the leaders of Hamas are in Qatar, why don't somebody go over there and get them and capture them? I wish you'd yeah. ask that when Admiral uh, stated that. I, I I wish I had as well, and hopefully I'll I'll remember to ask him next week. I imagine that they're protected by the Qataris, but it's a great question. If if we know who they are and if they're living a life of splendor out in the open, then we ought to take their riches. Enjoy your dog, and well, thanks I, for that phone. I'm sorry, did you want to say something uh, else? Yeah, I also thought they're probably protected, but I thought Qatar was working with uh, with us or you know our Israel, so. Anyway. I had, yeah, I, I, they are. I mean, they've, they've said uh, the Qataris are saying that they'll, they'll act as a, I don't know that mediator is the right word, but that they would work on trying to free the hostages. And I had a, I had an expert with me on CNN on exactly that issue. I said, are they reliable partners? And he, his opinion was that they were based on personal experience. Michael Smirconish. Maybe there won't be a ground invasion. Admiral Stavridis said that he thinks it's an eighty percent likelihood, and I said, well. If I'd asked you a week ago today, I'll bet you'd have said 100. And he said, you're right. Tom Friedman in his column in the New York Times says the following. And so let me say loudly and clearly what I have been saying quietly in my past few columns. I am with President Biden when he told 60 Minutes that it would be a big mistake for Israel, quote, to occupy Gaza again. Friedman writes, I believe that such a move could turn Israel's humiliating, humiliating tactical defeat at the hands of Hamas, which included unimaginable barbarism, into a long-term moral and military strategic crisis. 
It's one that could entrap Israel in Gaza, drawing the U.S. into another Middle East war and undermine three of America's most important foreign policy interests right now, helping Ukraine wrestle free of Russia to join the West, containing China and shaping a pro-American bloc that includes Egypt, Israel, moderate Arab countries and Saudi Arabia, which could counterbalance Iran and fight the global threat of radical Islam. One more paragraph. If Israel goes into Gaza now, it will blow up the Abraham Accords, further destabilize two of America's most important allies, Egypt and Jordan, and make normalization with Saudi Arabia impossible. Huge strategic setbacks. It will also enable Hamas to really fire up the West Bank and get a shepherd's war going there between Jewish settlers and the Palestinians. Altogether, it will play directly into Iran's strategy of sucking Israel into imperial overstretch and in that way weakening the Jewish democracy from within. He says it would be wrong, a huge mistake to occupy Gaza again. Does that mean don't cross the border with any military equipment in a ground war? Or does that mean go in and get out? I should have asked Admiral Stavridis. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius X. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. This is David in Columbus, Georgia. Hi, David. Greetings. What are you thinking? 
Uh, hey, good morning, Michael. Hi. Um, hey, so I just wanted to know in regards to your poll question, I'm a no vote. Uh, I'm in the minority. And um, I wanted to ask you if you uh, saw um, uh, Peter uh, Scott, Scott, sorry, Scott Pelley's remarks on the 60 Minutes interview um, when he said, you know, his, his uh, Secretary of State was in Israel, his Defense Secretary was at NATO meeting in Ukraine and the the president just looked tired like you could see it on him visibly and and in the uh the interview himself like like you could like I voted for Biden um you know and I just I wanted to know what you thought about uh Pelly's remarks on that uh, interview So so I did watch the interview I do I do know what you're referring to from Pelly and I also saw last night uh candidly I didn't stick around for it because I wanted to go back to the Phillies game but during the Phillies game I was I was watching as I always do the cable outlets and seeing what everybody was talking about and I know that Hannity had had teed up a segment he was going to do uh, about Biden's appearance. I guess I would say this. I didn't need Scott Pelley to tell me what I saw with my own eyes. The president did look tired. You know, he absolutely looked tired. Did he? But then I temper it and I come back to today's poll question. Did he say the right things? From my standpoint, he did say the right things. Do I think he's handled the situation appropriately so far? I do. I mean, I I do. So like there's the trade off, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, his age and experience, uh, you know, they definitely play a role in it, in what's going on. And, you know, it's it's absolutely terrible. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-numbing. Look, I, I mean, how would you feel if tonight Donald Trump were getting on a plane and it, it was Trump who was going to go and, and meet with Netanyahu and meet the others that are on Biden's agenda you know would you feel that he had a command of the situation that he knew what was going on i know to some of his supporters it's simply well they fear him and that's a good thing i i don't even know how to respond to that because i don't really <laughs> like trump either I, I just you know he 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 trump knows how to command the moment the the day and um and that's what keeps him going so if it were Trump that we're getting on a plane and going over there, you know, I, I think probably he'd he would already be there, um, you know, just because he, he the minute this thing broke out, he would have been like, you know, uh, this doesn't happen on my watch, and well, and also like there would have been airstrikes or like I don't know, he would have he would have already made a move just to make sure that people know that you know, just he so he was in the thick around. of it, yeah, not necessarily, yeah, not yeah. necessarily. Thank you, David. Appreciate your your call. Not not necessarily the right move, but just to have made a move to be in on on today's you know today's narrative. Here's a question. So, in my poll question today, I'm being forward looking to the general election, and I'm wondering does does Biden being a seasoned citizen help him despite the concerns of David and others, yours truly included? That you know you look at him and he's tired and he's and he's he's just, you know, lost a step. I mean, how else do I say it? I've lost a step. So uh, the second question, though, is, is anything maybe I'll do this tomorrow. Does anything change within the Republican nomination? I mean, if I'm Nikki Haley, aren't I saying, unlike my opponents, I've got I mean, Trump was commander in chief. So I, I don't mean him. But others who have been on that Republican stage 
I've been a U.N. ambassador. Does Nikki, does Nikki Haley, who was already somewhat ascendant, I don't want to overstate it, but does she now get a boost from all of this? Greetings to uh, West in Fort Worth, uh, Texas. Greetings, West. What did you want to say? Uh, what's up, Mike? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a call and uh, just, <clears throat> excuse me, to respond to the previous caller. I mean, they always talk about Biden's age, but as long as he's not going to sleep while they're asking him questions, I mean, like, that's what we need. We just need his wisdom at this point. But um, to my original point, um, in Israel, Palestine, and all these other areas, uh, when they look at what's going on in America, I mean, Israel is the only democratic state in the Middle East, but when they see what's going on in America, why would they want this? if this is the outcome of it. So, I mean, they kind of feel better with <laughs> what they currently have. In other words, okay, in other words, if we're trying to sell democracy, like we're not making too effective of a presentation, our PowerPoint is a little lacking at this stage. <laughs> right, read a right? different book, because this ain't the one. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I mean, that was the, on, on, on W's watch, that was the whole pitch, like we're going to instill democracy in the Middle East, and my God, if only they they were democratic. And then we, I think we realized, first of all, that our democracy is not so perfect, and secondly, that if you give folks who hate us the ability to elect their leaders, they're just going to elect leaders who hate us. You're right. And I mean, look at the folks of Gaza who elected Hamas. It's been a... Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. No, I, I hadn't thought of it. Thank you, West. I hadn't thought of it from West's standpoint. Yeah, not not a good time to be selling democracy. Although you could say, let, let me play devil's advocate. You could say that that it got ugly on January 6th, but democracy held. You know, in the end, the rule of law held. The vice president did what he was supposed to do. The Congress did what he was supposed to do. And the states did what they were supposed to do. I mean, in the end, everybody everybody played the role that we would have hoped them to play. And by the way, there were there were, you know, Republicans who called that shot. A lot of Republican judges then upheld it. Daniel in Fayetteville, North Carolina, you most wanted to say what? Uh, first of all, I want to remind you that your last guest said the Palestinians did not elect Hamas enough. Normal election, they they just know what they're supposed to do to stay alive, and I think it's rich that George W. Bush comes out with a statement saying it's gone on too long after he got us into a twenty-year fiasco. And what in the hell is the president going to the middle of a war zone for right now? Doesn't they have enough problems as it is? So let me only address the uh, the Bush observation because I. And I might be responsible for for presenting this in a way that you misunderstood. Uh, He wasn't saying that's his opinion. To the contrary, W was saying it won't be long until people say it's been too long. Probably reflecting that that's what people said about him. You know, like, why, why, why haven't we gotten bin Laden and I'm on al-Zawahiri? This has gone on too long. He was making the point about how American attention spans are short. And in that regard, he was uh, he was correct. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.